helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. ever heard somebody say something that embodies your thoughts almost perfectly i heard part of a speech from mark robinson who's i think is a current lieutenant governor of north carolina running for governor and when he spoke it was like a flashbulb going off in my head for those of you not old enough to remember flashbulbs picture a quick bright light that blinds you this got me thinking what other Second Amendment news should we be looking at? Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you could join me. You know, the, the Second Amendment seems to be a perennial issue because, well, there always seem to be people that are going after your right to keep and bear arms. And uh, I want to start out today's episode by comparing and contrasting um, two people speaking about the Second Amendment. Now, the first one I'm going to bring up is, uh, well, it's Joe Biden. So after the, the shootings at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and in Austin, Texas, as reflexively as striking your knee, out comes the, the anti-gutters led by Joe Biden calling for a ban on an assault weapons and, and high-capacity magazines. Except there's a problem. In those two particular shootings, um, the the alleged you know assault weapon you know that isn't the so-called assault weapon that isn't really an assault weapon it, it they didn't use one high capacity magazines didn't use those either see both of them used handguns in Austin the shooter the alleged shooter because right, he hasn't been convicted yet used a 1911. And, and and I think that holds about most 1911s I know hold eight rounds if it's a 45 caliber. If you're trying to think what that is, think of a World War II U.S. automatic pistol, right? The the the, the ones you see in all the movies. That's generally a 1911. But you see, this is an opportunity to go after law-abiding citizens and their right to keep and bear arms. And I, I've become so used to it. I hear it so often. It's like. It's almost like, why bother? It, you know, like I said, it's reflexive as, as uh, uh, breathing. As soon as there's a shooter, we got to go after all of these, even if they would have made absolutely no difference, even if they violate the Constitution. Along comes uh, this, I heard this, I, I was looking for the original source. Um, this is Mark Robinson. He's, I, again, I believe he's a, currently the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. Uh, I did meet him once. Uh, doubt he remembers me, but uh, he's running for governor in North Carolina. And uh, here's his position on the Second Amendment. Let's just suppose these Antifa people showed up at your house, 15, 30, 40 deep, and all you had was a six-shot shotgun. Wouldn't make it very long, would you? But if I got an AR-15 with 30, 32 in the clip and 16 or 20 more clips laying down there on the ground, magazines on the ground, I can hold them off pretty good with that. Hold them off pretty good. You see, people have gotten the wrong idea about what our Second Amendment is. Our Second Amendment ain't got a thing to do with duck hunting, skeet shooting, or the shooting sports. Not a thing. 
Our founding fathers didn't just finish a skeet shooting match. They just finished freeing this nation from the most powerful army on earth. The Second Amendment of our Constitution stands for one purpose and one purpose only, to defend this nation against enemies foreign and domestic and to ensure that the people of this nation can defend themselves in their homes and keep their freedoms, even if that means fighting their own government. Yeah, I said it. And see, elected officials ain't supposed to say stuff like that. Not supposed to. It's not politically correct. But that Constitution I read and the history books I read tell me this. Governments who have all the guns and have all the power always become despotic and become a terror to the people. Now, I will admit I did edit that, that clip. Um, I did take out. He had a couple of pauses that went on for a couple of seconds. I took them out. That's it. That's his position. That, you know, the Second Amendment says what it says. Its purpose is so that we can protect our, ourselves from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Well, that also includes the fact that it's probably going to be domestic enemies. It's why the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia, an armed populace, is necessary to the security of a free state, because that state may need to defend itself against, ooh, who knows, maybe it's a, 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 a group from the, on the foreign border, you know, like, uh, like on our southern border. Maybe it's from... Uh, gangs and other criminals that would would uh, take over our cities like they have in 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 San Francisco and and LA and so many places and maybe it's to defend ourselves from a federal government that has gone way beyond its legal limits way beyond its legal mandates yet we uh keep going along as if they have the legal right and authority and power to do so the only power they have comes from our unwillingness to stand up when they do something wrong. Case in point, and again, not just the federal government. See, this is one of the, uh, there's an interesting case that came out of Oregon. Um, and to me, it showed, well, it showed a couple things. It, it showed both a proper and an improper um, understanding of not only the Constitution, but the supremacy as a whole, the Second Amendment, but the Supremacy Clause. So uh, Oregon passed a, a law. Well, actually, it, it was passed by a vote of the people. So I guess it was a referendum. And um, by the way, one of the examples of a true democracy, but that's, that's not the question. And, and one of these, the, this law, um, Measure 114, required a criminal background check and a gun safety training course to obtain a permit to purchase a firearm. It also banned high-capacity magazines. Now, this was challenged in both state and federal court. And this is where life gets interesting. You see, in federal court, they said, well, this doesn't violate the Second Amendment. Now, I find that really interesting because the Second Amendment says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And if you need state permission in order to keep, much less bear, a firearm, that's pretty much infringing on your right if it's being done without some sort of due process, which this law, uh, this law does. But you see, it was also challenged under state law, and it went to a a state court, um, and and the judge, uh, I think it's Robert Rasheel, uh, he said, uh, no, this violates the Oregon Constitution. Article 1, Section 27 says the people shall have the right to bear arms 
for the defense of themselves and the state, but the military shall be kept in strict subordination to the civil power. So the people of Oregon have a right protected by both the federal constitution, right? The right to keep and bear arms. And the state constitution, this is they have a right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. See, the state Oregon makes it a little more detailed. They, you know, the, the federal, the second amendment of the federal constitution just has a general right to keep and bear arms. This one specifically says the right is to defend themselves and the state. As Mr. Robinson put it, it's not about duck hunting. It's not about sporting clays. It's not about sport, uh, sporting events. It's about defense, defense of yourself and defense of others. So the judge said, hey, this violates the Constitution of Oregon. Therefore, I find against it. it, it it's unconstitutional and uh, I will not, it, it should be struck down. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things, right? So you have the federal judge saying it doesn't violate the Constitution of the United States when it clearly does. Right? Mostly what you're seeing is it doesn't violate federal um, a, a, a stare decisis, right? Precedent. The courts have ruled, except the courts don't rule. The courts have opined that this is okay, so we'll let it by. Whereas the state judge says, wait a second, the language of our state constitution seems pretty clear. You have a right to bear arms, to require government permission in order to exercise a right is an infringement on that right. It is a, 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 a deprivation of that right. Therefore, that law is unconstitutional. Now, what I found interesting about this story is is twofold. One was the, you know, hey, um, you know, you have the federal and the state and uh, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people are going, well, doesn't the federal court supersede the state court? No, it does not. See, the supremacy clause of the United States says the, the constitution, the laws of the United States made pursuant to the constitution and the power and the treaties made under the authority of the United States, which comes from the Constitution, they are the supreme law of the land, not the opinion of a judge. This is the opinion of a state judge about the state Constitution, as opposed to the opinion of a federal judge in the federal Constitution. Guess what? The state wins. Because a state court opinion, I'm sorry, a federal court opinion is not the supreme law of the land. Never was. Actually, not legally. It only is because we keep going along with it. But the other thing that I caught, and, and I saw this in a lot of the, um, uh, uh, a lot of the reporting, when they pointed out that this was a a um, voter approved law. Now, this is what's interesting, right? And this goes back to my little comment about democracy. You see, Oregon legally is a republic. If the Oregon is not a republic, then the federal government is supposed to ensure that all states have a Republican form of government, which means we hire electors, via, uh, we, we hire representatives by electors, they make the laws, they represent us. Um, to simply have a voter-approved law, well, that's a democracy. That's when the people legislate, and they legislate directly. Now, the reason this is, is important is Oregon has a constitution. And before the people can pass a law like this, well, they would first need to modify the Constitution to allow it. 
So all these calls, well, this was voter approved. It should be, it should supersede what some judge says. No, not until the people modify their state constitution and say, we have the authority to do this. It may seem subtle, but it is an important step. It is an important understanding that the people, via some referendum, cannot simply overrule the constitution that, that, that the people created in their state. See, if we do that, then we end up in the miseries that our, foreign, our founding fathers warned us about when it comes to democracies. So that's why that particular case really caught my attention as we saw the the the, the separation of federalism, right? The 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 fed versus the state and the different states and and all that, but uh, we also saw another obvious misrepresentation of what the constitution of the United States says versus what appears to be an accurate representation of what the constitution of the state of Oregon says. And to see a judge follow that makes me very, very happy. But it also takes me back to the opening, where you have one politician who sees the uh, the Second Amendment as merely an impediment to uh, how he thinks we should all live our lives, how he thinks we should be protected, how he thinks uh, our lives should live, versus another one that says, that's there so that you can defend yourself. Biden wants you dependent on police to keep, to protect you. Robinson, Robinson seems to want you to be able to defend yourself. Again, I don't know the man. I don't know either man. I've never actually sat down and really talked with him. I met Mr. Robinson at an event a um, little over a year, year and a half ago. Um, and uh, I heard him speak and uh, sounded, it sounded very good. But that's not the point. See, we're entering 2024, an election year. And both of these men are running for elected office. Biden and Robinson, they are running for elected office. Do you want one that's going to follow what the Constitution actually says or one who sees the Constitution as an impediment to what they want to do? That is the difference between a constitutional republic and a dictatorship. In a constitutional, a constitutional republic, the people in this case, the United States, through our states, we determine what the rules are via Constitution. And if we want to change them, there's a process for doing so, as the people of Oregon apparently have learned. Versus a dictatorship where a, an individual or a small group simply say, we know what's best for you. We know how to do this. The laws simply get in our way. Let us do what we know is best. And you're going to help choose what that's going to what our country's going to be like in 2025 and moving forward which is why i say voting is important absolutely but i'm much more interested in how you decide who to vote for i'm not going to tell you who to vote for but i'm going to tell you how do you decide someone who reads the language of the law or someone who tries to find a way to get around the law in a case where you may be voting for judges. Judges in some states are elected. Do you want a man who actually says the Constitution of the state says this? I know the people want that, but they've told me this supersedes their short-term desires. I have to abide by my oath to support the Constitution of Oregon and of the United States. Is that the type of person you want sitting on the bench? 
Or do you want something more like the a, a, a federal judge who says, well, my other judges have said it's okay, that, that the Constitution, the Second Amendment doesn't mean what it clearly says it means. It obviously means something else. So um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the way my peers say versus I'm going to find the way the actual Constitution I took an oath to support says. The decision is ours. And I know a lot of people are feeling very down about uh, uh, about the nation right now. I've gotten several uh, comments and, and emails, and uh, I just want to remind people: you have a choice coming up. The question is, how will you decide? Not will you decide. You will decide. The question I see it is: how will you decide what comes next? What country you and your family and your children and grandchildren? will live in. Now, I hope you'll take some time and head over to the website, constitutionstudy.com. You can find out all that we're doing here. We help people not only read and study the Constitution, but learn to defend and assert their rights. You can sign up for a mailing list. You can uh, join our Patriots program. You can head to the shop and purchase a book or just donate to the cause. All of it is available right there at the website, constitutionstudy.com. Now, as we are, as the CDC is once again worrying about COVID, well, there are some after effects of COVID we're still dealing with. Shedding, long COVID, these are, these are real. Guess what? The, the experts, the, the, the smart people at the Wellness Center, they have something that will help. They have a product called Spike Support that's designed to help break up and get rid of that toxic spike protein. Now, it's backed by documented research, vetted by the Chief Medical Board of the Wellness Company. And since you're an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your products and your first month of membership if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. Find out more at americaoutloud.shop. But please, check out the Wellness Company. They've got some very nice products, including Spike Support. But be sure to use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's Chief Medical Board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. 
and these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study today, we're talking about when the truth speaks, when you hear something that just rings so true that it, it says, maybe in a way you never thought could be said, something you absolutely positively believe. It, it, it's a wonderful thing. I, I talked about the, uh, the, the, the speech by Mark Robinson, how that just said to me what, what so many people seem to try to say, but never quite get it in a way that moves you so well. And that kind of led me into just other discussions about, well, the Second Amendment, your right to keep and bear arms, uh, compared Mark Robinson's position to Joe Biden's position. And, and we started looking at some court cases. And I want to pick up with a couple more of these court cases. So in the first segment, I talked about the, the Oregon case, where we had a federal court that said Oregon's law uh, passed the Second Amendment, even though it obviously does not not if you just read the language of the Second Amendment, while the state judge said it violates the state constitution, which it also obviously does, and, and the importance of um, recognizing that difference. So let's head over to the empire. Many may know I was born and raised in the empire, the New York State. Uh, I was born in New York City, lived there most of my life. I was in my 50s before I left um, the, the, the empire. I still remember the day I crossed the border, tweeted, no longer a citizen of the empire, long live the republic. But in New York, having lived my life in New York and having been a gun owner my entire adult life in the state of New York, I saw a lot of the restrictions and I saw a lot of the upcoming restrictions that uh, helped drive me out of the state. Yes, New York State's gun laws is one of the reasons, not the only one, but one of the reasons why I was happy to leave that state. And uh, several of those gun laws, the laws, by the way, I think have gotten absolutely out of hand. Well, several of them came before a three-judge panel of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, and um, we'll just say it was a mixed bag on both sides, from what I can see. These are basically based off of what New York called the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, which seemed to make concealed carry worse, not better. So, for example, in this opinion, again, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, the state of New York said in the Concealed Carry Improvement Act that uh, by default, you are not allowed to carry on private property. So in other words, if you, uh, let's say, hey, you are a concealed carry owner, uh, a carrier, you had a permit, you had a license, you were carrying, and you went to your friend's house, you would have to get explicit permission from your friend in order to carry on his land. This, I don't believe, was a target, but it was mostly stuff open to the public. So if you went to, if you went shopping, 
and you showed up at a store. Now, in most states, if unless the store says no, no weapons allowed, you're allowed to carry. New York State turned that on its head, saying, no, you're not allowed to carry unless the place specifically says you can carry. Well, the court said that's completely unenforceable. Along, by the way, with the state's social media disclosure requirement, meaning if you want to get a carry permit, you had to hand over to the state of New York, to the state police, I believe, uh, access to your social media so they could go scrubbing through it to see if you said anything uh, they thought might make you scary or dangerous. Now, the court, the court also found that uh, there was a, one of the parts of this law was made it unlawful to carry, concealed carry, in places of worship. Well, Pastor Michael Spencer and members of the Tabernacle Family Church, they sued, uh, saying, hey, it's our house of worship. Um, we determine whether or not someone can carry, not the, uh, 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 not the Empress in Chief, Kathy Hochul, and the, the legislature of the state of New York. So that also was found to be unenforceable, at least against Pastor Spencer. That's why I said it's a mixed bag. It wasn't a general, this is unenforceable. Apparently, it was specifically against Pastor Spencer. Now, I have to admit, I haven't read through all the details of the opinion. I'm taking some analysis from others who generally get things pretty right. So there may be something in there that I missed. But there is, let's say, bad news. There's bad news for the Constitution. For example, a three-judge panel said that uh, New York's good moral character requirement for, uh, uh, for, for uh, licensed carriers, well, that was constitutional, even though they recognize it's a completely subjective determination. Now, I remember when I was in New York and I got my, my carry license, um, I had to provide uh, I, sealed, I had my self-addressed stamped envelopes and, uh, to three people who lived in the same county that I did and were not related to me to use as character witnesses. Now, here's the odd thing, right? Most of the people I knew um, were either related to me <laughs> or they lived in a different county. A lot of my friends lived in a, in a nearby county. We were right near the border. I did find three. Yes, I, you know, it's not like I couldn't find three people, but that was part of the requirement is I had to go through and they would get a form to fill out to say, you know, is Paul a danger and, and all that. And then they'd send it back and that got part of the whole thing. It was, well, apparently, according to the court, this good moral character is still applicable. The problem is, how do you define good moral character? It's a subjective term. What someone's good moral character is another person's um, incarnate evil. So apparently the judges said, listen, yes, it could be used to deny eligible applicants their licenses simply because the judge doesn't like it. But they said you have to prove that um, you know, in, in order to actually um, get the injunction they were looking for. And part of the analysis, uh, the the uh, this, by the way, came from Bearing Arms. They said, by the way, that's a lot more deference to the state than the Supreme Court showed in Bruin. The The Second Amendment says, listen, you have a right. This is a personal right. It, it's an individual right. The state has to show good cause for the restrictions they place on it. Uh, another place where the court gave a lot of deference to the state of New York was the prohibition against carrying in, in locations that provide health, behavior health, chemical dependence care, or services. 
the idea being is you, you can't carry in uh, a doctor's office, hospital, or any place that provides any sort of healthcare type uh, care or services. Now, what's interesting is, as I understand it, uh, the court took uh, three laws, uh, uh, two from 1837 from Massachusetts and Maine, another from 1843 out of Rhode Island, that excluded people with intellectual disabilities, mental illness, and alcohol addictions from militia service as sufficient to, sh to show there's an analog to prevent people from entering health care. As if, you mean, if when I go to the doctor, I'm considered intellectual dis uh, intellectually disabled or, or mentally ill? Yeah, that to me was a bit of, of, a, of a push, but again, not that surprising considering uh, this is the, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. Not exactly known for being gun-friendly, shall we say. Now, there was another opinion out of New Mexico uh, the basis said Governor uh, Grisham's public health order banning concealed carry in parks in Albuquerque and uh, Bernalillo County, well, they said it likely wouldn't uh, withstand a real court challenge. So uh, she granted an injunction against the governor's park ban. Now, what I find interesting is, again, we're dealing with a, the Bruin decision in which the Supreme Court said, listen, if you want us to uphold a, a ban, you have to show that it was a part of the hist longstanding history and tradition around the time of the ratification of the Bill of Rights or the 14th Amendment. Uh, they picked the 14th Amendment due to this erroneous incorporation doctrine that says, you know, the court made up that said the the the... Bill of Rights doesn't is not like the rest of the Constitution. Uh, it doesn't apply to the states, or at least it didn't until the 14th Amendment. Completely made up by a judge, completely erroneous. I've proven that in, in plenty of other places. But that's their standard. You have to show that it was history and tradition, longstanding history and tradition. Well, they looked at the evidence put forward by the governor's council, and uh, they said they didn't make it. See, apparently what the governor's council brought were local ordinances, lots of local ordinances that showed that um, uh, concealed carry in public parks was prohibited. Uh, the problem is these, these laws, these, state, these city ordinances, they came well after the, uh, the, the 14th Amendment was ratified. See, that happened in, in 1868, and most of the ordinances and regulations that uh, the governor cited, well, they didn't come into place until later than that, later in the 1800s or early 1900s. Um, so it didn't pass the, the Bruin test. And uh, quoted from the opinion, even if parks, as defined today, did not exist in the 18th century, early 19th century, defendants still had the burden of providing evidence of firearm regulations in public spaces that were relevantly similar to parks. Here, defendants did not present any such evidence. A little later on, they said uh, defendants also cites to territorial law from Western states such as New Mexico, Arizona, Oklahoma, and Texas. But the Bruin court expressly rejected relying on territorial laws or decisions. The Bruin decision reasoned that the territories governed less than 1% of the American population. The territorial laws were enacted a century after the Second Amendment was adopted. The territorial laws were transitory and they were rarely subject to judicial scrutiny. So, but what I want you to point out is the, this de, this decision um, was made based on a Supreme Court precedent, Bruin. Now that's where we get all of these weird machinations about. Well, uh, is there is there evidence? Um, 
Were there is there a longstanding history of tradition? Uh, were these laws passed before the Second or Fourteenth Amendment? And you see all of this rigmarole um, to get around the fact that the Second Amendment states quite clearly the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So we have two decisions here, uh, one in you know the state of New York, one with the state of New Mexico. Um, the interesting thing is they all hinged around a Supreme Court decision in Bruin, a decision, by the way, that is not law. So the courts do not make law. Remember, the, the federal courts don't make law. Um, and I don't believe any of the state uh, constitutions allow courts to make law. They offer opinions. They decide cases. Because remember, Article 1, Section 1, Clause 1, all legislative power, all lawmaking power is vested in a Congress of the United States, not the courts. Uh, the Supreme Law of the Land says the Constitution and the laws of the United States made pursuant thereof, which means they have to go through the process of the Congress, is the Supreme Law of the Land, not the opinion of a judge. In fact, the judges are bound by this Constitution. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One is, again, we're still talking a bit about the 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 Second Amendment, but I also want you to consider how safe are your rights if all it takes is the opinion of a judge or or a couple of judges on a panel as to whether or not your rights will be enforced, whether or not your rights will be protected, whether or not the Constitution as a supreme law of the land will be enforced as written as opposed to as interpreted by a handful of high priests in black robes who obviously uh, do not comprehend basic English, much less the oath they took to support the Constitution of the United States. So do you see why I agree with John Jay that it's so important that everyone read and study the Constitution of his country, that everyone teach the rising generation to be free, that we know what our rights are, so we are prepared to defend and assert them. Because if you're looking for the courts to do this for you, um, it's kind of hit and miss. It's hit and miss based on on where you live, what courts you get, even what judge or justice you get in that court will make all the difference as to whether or not your rights will be protected. It's one of the reasons why I've, I've established the, the Patriots program. See, it's not simply to replace what you're doing. If you're a Second Amendment advocate, a First Amendment advocate, a Fourth Amendment advocate, if you're all about free speech or freedom of religion or uh, 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 anything else, check out the Patriots program. Because I'm not trying to replace what you're doing. I'm trying to provide you with some tools so maybe you get a better outcome. Maybe you can get a better solution. Or maybe you can just be better prepared to defend and assert your rights. When I did the first boot camp, this, this, the Patriots program, by the way, it's invitation only. You have to pass the boot camp in order to get an invitation to join the Patriots. I did one of these in person uh, earlier this year, and I had a couple. They were in the middle of a lawsuit, and they had actually traveled quite a ways to come listen to the boot camp to learn ways about how they could help in their court case. That's what the Pro Patriots program is about. It's not about replacing what you're doing. It's about giving you tools to help you do what you want to do better and maybe to help somebody else along the way. Now, one of the things I'm considering for 2024, um, see, I recorded that boot camp I gave, and that's what people take online. It's absolutely free. Go to constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. Go to the bottom. You can roll in the class, and you can watch the video. And if you pass the test and, and agree to the, to, the, to the oath, voila, you'll get an invitation. 
But, you know, that's kind of sterile sometimes. So I'm thinking next year, maybe I should do some of these online. I, I, can, I can run a Zoom call and we can join up and you, I'll go through pretty much the same content, but it'll give you the opportunity to interact more, maybe ask some questions, maybe get some ideas, just like this couple with their lawsuit, maybe you can get some ideas for your own situation while you're there. If you're interested, let me know. Again, I'll probably uh, start looking for people to sign up um, early in, in 24, but I'm interested. People are, are curious. Is this something you would find helpful? It'll be free. There won't be a charge for it, but I, I could use that input to see if that's where I should spend my time because it takes a lot of time and effort and money to do these types of things. I want to make sure I'm doing it where it's going to be the most effective. Speaking of effective, you know what I do? Every day I go by AmericaOutloud.news. I actually get their news feeds. I don't even have to go look at it. It comes directly to me. I stop there every day to pick up news and information, stories for this program, or just information I want to share on the website. I ask you to do the same thing too. See, if we're going to be free, it's more important than ever that we do something. We, we stand up. We don't simply sit back and wait for someone else to protect our freedom. One of the ways you can do that is by finding the, the stories, the articles, the videos, the podcasts, the things that, are, that you find important and sharing them. Share them with friends and family. Uh, share them on social media. It doesn't matter how big a following you have. Share them. It's actually the act of sharing that helps us all to secure the blessings of liberty. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems, and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA 
Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study, and today we're looking at what happens when the truth speaks. When you actually hear truth, when you hear what's going on, and, and what does that do to us, and, and, and how we view things, and, and maybe help us decide what we should do next. Now, a lot of this came from, uh, again, two speeches uh, I heard. One was uh, Joe Biden claiming that uh, even though quote-unquote, assault weapons weren't used in these two murders, the the murder in UNLV and in Austin. Well, we have to ban them. Even though high-capacities magazines were used, we have to ban them as if it's going to make a difference. You compare that with Mark Robinson and um, you know his, uh, hey, guess what? You get Antifa group, 30, 40 deep, uh, six shot shotguns not going to help you too much. And that kind of set me off down this road. Then we looked at a bunch of court cases and all that. I, I want to I want to shift gears because there's a couple more stories that popped up that um, uh, I want us to consider, not only because of the stories themselves, but where they're coming from. Now, to help this make sense, I have to give you the definition of arms, right? The Second Amendment, the right to keep bear arms. Uh, Noel Webster in his 1828 dictionary defined arms as weapons for offense and armor for defense. That's going to be important in just a minute. So when you think of firearms, we often think of, you know, the pistol, the rifle or whatever, but you take into consideration the ammunition. See, a firearm without ammunition is basically an ugly club. Now, why is this important? We're going to Florida. Florida was once known as the gunshine state because uh, of their, their gun laws. In fact, they actually brought modern concealed carry back into the public consciousness, if memory serves. But uh, there's something strange going on there. Now, this actually comes from uh, the gun writer. Um, you can find him on Substack. And he told a story about um, a recent April Fool's Day where a 61-year-old Miami man had a defensive gun use in Florida. Actually, it's in Florida City, Florida. Um, defensive gun use means he used his legally owned weapon to, def well, his weapon to defend himself. Now, in the article, in the story at, at uh, the gun writer, he didn't want to be identified. Basically, the description sounds like a legitimate uh, defensive gun use. Um, Florida police, Florida City police officers arrived, and after a couple of hours of questioning, they confiscated the victim's pistol. Right? He had a Taurus G2C and two loaded magazines. They confiscated them and let them go. Right. I should say, let him go. They took the uh, apparently disturbed person and put him on a 72-hour psychiatric hold. Now, it took 68 days for the Florida City Police Department to complete their investigation um, and conclude that the victim did nothing wrong. He was not charged with any crime. When he went to the police department to retrieve his property, the ammunition was gone. Notice he had a gun in the magazines, but all the ammunition was gone. 
So he apparently reached out. The department's property clerk told him that the ammunition was confiscated. They said, we don't return ammo. The department will probably use it for training. Now understand, that is, um, that's theft. They confiscated his, his property, legally owned property, had, had, no, um, uh, had no reason to, to separate it, to confiscate it, but they did for their own purposes. Right? That was a taking for, without you know, compensation. They stole it. Now, the uh, apparently uh, Florida Carry, a gun rights group, is uh, gotten involved, and they reached out to the Florida City uh, Police Chief, warning him that uh, they may file suit because of, A, a preemption violation. Florida has a, a pretty strict preemption law that says only the state legislature can regulate f uh, uh, weapons, regulate arms, that this is a violation of that preemption because it's not the state law doesn't allow for this to happen. Um, and that the, the, the department's policy of not returning ammunition that has been taken from a licensed law abiding citizen was a violation of, of both preemption. And I would say, how about law? It's, it's just plain theft. Now, an email apparently was sent back where from an internal affairs detective uh, from the Florida city police department that said uh, they've reviewed and are immediately correcting this matter regarding confiscation of ammunition. All corrections are being made to ensure ammunition is returned to licensed law-abiding citizens. Thank you for bringing this matter to our attention. Now, this is why I brought this up. Because we're human beings. Right? We want everything to be perfect, but nothing's ever going to be perfect. Here we have a situation, I would even question the the initial confiscation, because as I understand the article, the weapon was never fired. In other words, the 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 victim here just kept backing up uh, in front of this guy who's screaming, who's who's yelling, who's basically telling him to shoot him, and you know he's just ready to defend himself. Um, th there was apparently a negligent discharge when the victim uh, tripped over some rocks, fell backwards. And the weapon went off. That okay? There's a training issue there because um, one of the basic firearm rules of safety is you don't put your finger on the trigger till you've until you've got your sights on target and you've made a conscious decision to fire. So that apparently was there. But again, he didn't harm anybody with it. But again, they confiscated the the, the that and they didn't return the ammo. Now, I, I, I like the fact that the, the gentleman reached out for assistance, that Florida Carry was apparently prepared to assist him with a lawsuit. I like the fact that Florida Carry actually reached out to the police department and said, we, is a, we think there's a problem here. We are preparing to sue. Um, give them a chance to answer. I like that very much, right? Because it could have been a lot of things. Now, apparently, this internal affairs detective um, said they reviewed the situation and they are correcting the matter. Now, does that mean that there was a, a uh, confiscation policy in place and that's being re uh, overturned? Does it mean that it was a misunderstanding, that it was a training issue with the property office? We don't know what was being done, but we do know that um, they will stop doing, they will stop confiscating ammunition in Florida. Again, I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Again, it's a situation where something went wrong. 
but it was fixed and it didn't have to involve courts. What it really involved is a, a, a law-abiding citizen getting some legal advice and that demand letter, that notification letter, triggered an appropriate response. So I, I look at this as good for the victim, uh, good for Florida Carry, good for the Florida City Police Department for dealing with the problem when it was brought to their attention. I am a little curious as to whether or not this was a policy or a mistake by an, by an officer. It's being dealt with. I can, I can live with not knowing the details if it doesn't happen again. Now, I want you to compare that where when things don't work, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. How many of you remember the uh, the infamous merchant codes that um, th they wanted to implement merchant codes for gun stores or any place that sells firearms so that uh, a quick investigation could see if you know you look at your credit card history, hey, see they they were at a gun store. They were at a store that sold guns. Um, that's bad. We we maybe have to come after you. Now, most credit card companies apparently declined to use these new merchant category codes, um, possibly because they got a lot of pushback. A lot of their customers might have said, uh, there's no reason for this. There's no law to do this. Um, you know, this is, this is bad. Don't participate. So I think Visa, MasterCard, American Express, they all said, yeah, yeah maybe we're not going to do this. Well... It's not done. See, now you have Elizabeth Warren and 48 of her fellow Democrats sent a letter to those corporations demanding they start moving forward on the codes. Now, I want to start right off the bat and saying any credit card company that simply listens to this stupid letter should not be trusted with a dime of your money. You should not, if, if any credit card company follows up on this letter and, and does what they've been asked, don't trust them. See, so you have, you don't have a law. No law was passed. No law has even been proposed. You have a group of politicians trying to coerce private companies to do what they want without any law. There's no legal justification. In fact, I would go so far as to, as to ask those companies to contact the Attorney General about a violation of 18 U.S.C. Section 242. Because if there is a single threat of any sort of retaliation should these companies not comply, um, that is extortion. That is a deprivation of rights under color of law. And um, since this was done via a letter and not on the floor of the Senate, it is not covered by the Senator's immunity clause, by the, the immunity clause. See, they won't be questioned for anything they say on the floor of their respective houses, the members of the House or the Senate. This isn't what they're saying on the House. This is blatant intimidation. That's all this is, which makes you wonder, when, you, when, when the truth smacking you right in the face, we want more identifications of gun purchasers. Um, we asked nicely, we're asking again, when does a carrot get replaced by the stick? Uh, in, in the letter, they say credit cards often facilitate the purchase of weapons used to commit this, this violence, talking about mass shootings. Um, where's your evidence of that? I mean, think about it. When you're talking about shootings, first of all, 
the vast majority of shootings aren't mass shootings. And if you, they actually have done studies of criminals with, that were caught with guns. And guess what? You know what they didn't do? They didn't go to a big box store and buy the gun. They bought it illegally on the streets. This is nothing but a power grab. This is nothing but a person who swore, who took an oath or affirmation to support the Constitution and is just spitting in it because she wants, and these other, these other, and yes, they happen to be Democrats. I wouldn't care if it was Republicans doing this, but this is blatant intimidation. This is a violation of the oath of office. This is a, a violation of the duties of a member of the Senate. Um, where is the where are the ethics charge? Well, again, Democrats run the Senate; they're in control of the Senate. No ethics charges are going to go anywhere. This this letter should be responded to. Uh, you have no legal authority to demand anything. Go pound sand. Period. But you see, these are corporations, and as large corporations, they're probably afraid. They're probably getting legal advice: "Oh, we better comply, or they're going to do something mean." If that's the case, if they're going to roll over to get their bellies rubbed anytime somebody from Congress sends them a letter, don't trust them. I've had credit cards with these companies. If I find that they've done this, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I'm getting rid of them because that means they're not safe. If they're willing to give up their own, if they're willing to sell their own rights for the promise of being left alone by Congress, what do they do about your rights? And the answer most likely is, not care. They're just going to turn over whatever some congressman wants to because they got a letter. Either because they're cowards or they're being given legal advice by weenies who went to law school and never actually studied the supreme law of the land. They may look at it as a, as a pure, you know, the cost of dealing with this versus complying now, but never considering the cost later of actually uh, implementing something like this. Again, the truth about this situation is it's just a blatant power grab by a, a, a bunch of, of senators who happen to be donkeys and um, figure they can get away with it because no one's ever going to hold them accountable. If that's the way you think, if you think they can break the law because you don't like guns and you want people to, and you don't want people to have them, or you've been scared to death about things like ghost guns, which don't really exist, assault weapons, which don't really exist. Th th these are just made-up names meant to scare you. If, if you will put those, if you will put a, a, temporary, a promise of temporary safety, a false promise of temporary safety above your God-given rights, you don't deserve rights or safety. That's a paraphrase, Benjamin Franklin. But it's so it's so sad that the someone speaking, a politician speaking the truth, has become so rare that not only do we have a joke about it, how can you tell when a politician's lying? But when one does actually speak the truth, it stands out like a spotlight on a dark winter's night. We should be speaking the truth more often. And when we hear the truth, we should be spreading it more often. Today, I talked a lot about the Second Amendment. I've got some more content that goes beyond just the Second Amendment. The Constitution as a whole, the protection of your rights. And I plan on, 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 on doing that in the next couple of days. I'm doing a whole episode on this in the next couple of days. So I hope you'll, you'll check it out. 
But I want to remind you of the words of Jesus after he said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Which one of you think do you think is more interested in your freedom? The man saying, Constitution is the Constitution. The Second Amendment says you have a right to defend yourself against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Or the one that says you're not allowed to use these arms because they're big and scary. Or you're not allowed to, you know, if you're going to buy these, you have to be tracked if you go to a store that sells firearms because, well, you could be, you could be, you could be a potential domestic violent extremist. And we have to know about that. Forget this unreasonable search and seizure nonsense. We need to know because we're big brother and he needs to know everything. Ultimately, the decision is, is yours. And you'll make the next decision a eh, little less than a year from now. Again, I want you to vote, but I want you to, to focus on how you decide who to vote for. I'm less concerned about who you vote for than how you go about deciding who that is. I also hope you come back and join us here at the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen then, that's okay. All the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can listen on your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Leave the episode's ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as with everything else, it's not just that they're there. If you want to, if you want to do something, if you want to do your part, then share this information. See, it's by sharing these links and these messages that we share the blessings of liberty with our friends, with our families, or with anyone else we encounter. <laughs>